Derek, thank you so much for being with me on the break podcast. It is a pleasure. Um, so good morning. Very good morning. And uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely pleasure. So I've been I've been a follower of what you do. You're doing a lot of nice, sharp, short videos, which I do enjoy, uh, along with my morning coffee. And, and this is how we came to know each other. We had a lot of chats, interesting topic. And today we're talking about how to be logically emotional. I didn't miss the order. Yes. That's good. As I said, it <laughs> works both ways. Both ways. I think you're smart at picking yeah. up that, that theme, you know. <laughs> um, um, I want just to, you know, people find it hard and sometimes you're fed up, especially managed leaders or managed teams, fed up with emotions. Mm-hmm people's emotions, how to deal with that. And then, that, you know, emotion trigger emotion, right? It's like yes. emotion and re-emotions. And that's kind of surface and sometimes creates some crazy, you know, atmosphere. And, and, and things might go really, you know, go south be, beyond that, all right? And this is why, actually, what we're talking today about. But I'm, I'm a guy doing a lot of research, and something came up. We chatted, actually, in a brief about it. But now it's become a thing. It's called the Great Resignations, like the Great Depression, Great Resignation, another nice name. And we have 20 million people resigning without having a job lined up to after that. They just drop the job. And, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm curious, what's your take on that, Derek? Well, I think we are in a really, really interesting moment uh, of the history where um, we were living in a certain inertia. Uh, working year after year in the same way. Uh, And when the COVID pandemic came and we started working remotely, uh, suddenly it was a big, big new experience. And this experience, uh, it created a huge reflective space. Yes, we could reflect on what, how we were running in the past and how we feel right now. Uh, we could distance ourselves, so it also psychologically we were far away from the from the working environment, from from the people, from our bosses, from the managers, uh, also from the physical workplaces, right? And suddenly yeah. we could see what is the essence of work, and this is our contribution, our input, and that there are many many things in the environment, in our dynamics, which are a, not necessary. Second, we, we don't miss them. Third, sometimes they are toxic, right? And we felt relief. Sure. And I believe that many people felt that this relief it was so strong and so profound that they said, you know what? Actually, I want to keep it and figure out how to be part of society, how to contribute, how to earn money, how to support the family how to do something for the something bigger than myself and my family, but retain all the good things that this isolation uh, also uh, brought along there. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, I think many people put, uh, we can say on the scale, you know, the going uh, as usual, business as usual, and trying to invent new things, and they they, re- they took a risk. So, um, Derek, following those lines, and then building up on this, um, we're heading to what we call a new work environment, hybrid mm-hmm. work environment, um, and all of these fancy names around it. But in essence, it's all about you know managing remote teams, like in in and out, right, on on the ramp, off the ramp, right, and and that's kind of added the complexity because now business looking to hire even beyond their main, you know, geographical zone, right, if they can hire people in different cities, why not different countries? So, in your opinion, what's the biggest challenge you see, especially regarding people management, what's, and then building on that, like, what skills should leaders and businesses develop, invest in? Mm-hmm. Uh- the huge change, of course, once you lose people out of the physical closeness, is that the, um, the orientation that you're receiving by observing them, hearing them, being with them, it becomes from a broadband, broadband and very, very informative. You receive a lot of information from the tone of voice, from, from the 
from people's bodies, you know, we talk with our bodies, so yeah. we can observe. And even if you are not consciously competent in this area, you still receive this information, right? Very sure. often in the agile community, we, we call it osmotic uh, communication, mm -hmm. that it's, you know, it's simply happening uh, instant, instant, you know, in, in the moment. And suddenly, when you are having people remote, from this broadband stream of information about what is happening with your people, where they are, what might be, what they might be feeling, how comfortable they are, do they look uh, confused or they follow with what you are at the moment explaining or asking them for? Suddenly, you have like this almost through the keyhole. Yeah. Uh, of the camera very often there is no camera because uh, you have only voice connection or you are sharing the screen so it's or the camera or you see someone you cannot actually even look in someone's eyes because or you look into the camera or you're looking at someone's picture right yeah once on the training i wanted to make an exercise so let's look in in our eyes uh, just to uh, elicit some emotions and it turned out, oh my God, it's impossible. We have to take turns. Okay, so the people A, B, right? A are looking at the camera, B are looking at the screen. And now we yeah. Stop, right? So suddenly you have much less information about what is happening in the people. And you have to start, start paying attention to the new ones, uh, to the tone of voice, to what people are saying. But increasingly more important is what people are not saying and what they are not doing. Yeah. Right? And this is a little bit like reading in between the lines. The lines. Yes. And if you are if you don't have the skill, it's become very very difficult because uh, you could read a lot of information and had a lot of orientation which you need to take the decision and act in the uh, in the proper way as a manager. Suddenly you don't have that, right? So it's increasingly more important to understand the the emotions people behavior uh, and actually it's the, the system so it's funny for me to teach people about emotions because first of all uh, i'm a former programmer uh, i'm quite technical that's why beautiful speaking it is a hard skill for me that, actually that's a challenge <laughs> yeah. uh, in code and i loved it right i i really loved hiding behind the screen not talking with people not dealing with people's emotions uh, there was a time when i thought that i would be developed to the degree one day that i will not have emotion and the world will be beautiful but of course it didn't happen yeah and then i said okay so if i if i cannot get rid of it, maybe I will try to understand what the hell is going on. And for me, emotions yeah. are part of the bigger system. So things are interconnected. Emotion, thoughts, behaviors, uh, uh, sensorics, so what, what our body is showing sometimes completely unconsciously, it's connected into the system. And the system itself, there is also outside world. And I see that if I want to understand what is happening with other people or what is happening with me or what is happening with the team dynamics, I need to tap into one of the elements and start understanding from there, right? As I said, this is everything is interconnected and influences one another, right? And I discovered that emotions are really, really beautiful and great elements to start uh, because they are very honest. They are... I love what Carla McLaren, my teacher on emotions, repeats that uh, emotions are always true. They are not always right, mm -hmm. but they are always true. So there is sometimes you can't believe what you, or can't rely on what people are telling, but very often you can rely on what people are feeling and what. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of information there, and. Uh, if you have it, if you understand it, if you can make a good guesses because you actually never know what other people are feeling, but you can start guessing really, really well. And then you take the interaction, you take the conversations from there. Uh, and yeah. it's 
proved to me that this is very, very powerful and you can achieve things which other managers, other people cannot do. And as I work uh, very often as a change agent, change manager, it is really, really, really helpful. And as I understood it, uh, I really thought it would be great if there would be more teachers. And I said, yeah, I actually want to start sharing this with other managers. And uh, that's the attempt which I started this year. And I hope that uh, it will really be beneficial to the wider audience. Absolutely. And, and this is, um, so that's kind of, What's people, especially people that, and, 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 and when I say people, I'm not referring to necessarily managers and leaders because you could be a business analyst. Mm -hmm. You will have to work. It's all about you working, right? And then you say, you brought in a, a, a good point. If you and change management area, it's all about people, right? Yes. It's not about buying a piece of technology and it will, it will work its own way. In, in, in the company, you know, but that's kind of changing people behavior is buy-in and then, you know, shifting the mindset toward, you know, changing, using new things. So that there's a perspective in here, right? So there's one area where people has to work on is just putting kind of emphasis, how important it is to understand others' emotions. Mm -hmm. But if I, if I take it like the second fold of my questions in, in the same segment, okay, what business has to invest in? It's like what, where businesses has to build in their, for example, development curriculum, um, um, some elements that help people or leaders in, in different positions in organizations to be better at managing others' emotions and even interacting with their co-workers, especially in, in work, you know, in remote working environment, because that's kind of becoming the norm, right? What's your thoughts in here? Uh, I, I truly believe that emotional competence and empathy uh, are really highly correlated with the effectiveness of, of leaders. Uh, and uh, I observe very often two patterns uh, in a leadership. Or you have leaders who are not very effective, but they are also very often not confident and they don't even understand their emotions. So they, they, they are hold, hold back and very often they cannot create circumstances that the goals are being reached, that the certain rules are being respected and the people behave according to as we as an organization, we try to try to behave. On the other hand, you have leaders who are extremely effective, uh, but they are also perceived as intimidating other people, right? And very mm -hmm. often they have different kinds of problems. There is a business effectiveness, but they are losing people on the way. So people don't want to work with them. Uh, sometimes people, they cannot, it's, it's, it's too much. It's too much tension, too much, too much pressure. And they are changing the teams, they are changing the projects, departments, or even the companies. And of yeah. course, for the, from the business perspective, this is very, very bad, right? <laughs> because if you have yeah. uh, high attrition, attrition, then that's a problem. Exactly. It is a problem. It's not good for your business. It become expensive and sometimes unsustainable. And so I believe that this is really, really important to be in the sweet spot. So be effective, but also be very supportive to, to the people. And this is where the empathy kicks in. And very often empathy is being perceived as being soft or, you know, allowing people to, to really jump on your hand, head and they can do whatever they want, uh, that you are allowing for too much. But there is really a middle ground where you understand why people are doing what they are doing. Uh, you can understand how important it is by observing what is the arousal, emotional arousal, so activation, so how important it is. Or if people very often, emotions in general are not welcome in the workplace, right? Yeah, exactly. People try to wear that mask and yes. they are afraid about it. And this is actually leads very, very interestingly to the following question that they have. I asked people, actually, I did this exercise. Yeah. Um, and I asked, if I tell you you're emotional, how are your perception of it? Yeah. And I can tell you out of the, eight, out of the 10 people I have asked, eight will say that's negative. Yes. Uh, emo being emotional has a very, very ne negative connotation. Exactly. Uh, we 
think that emotional is an opposite to logical, opposite to rational okay. and reasonable, right? And very often the other connotations is immediately that this someone is not stable, uh, it's whimmy and unpredictable. Yeah. And of course, you don't want to have unpredictable managers, you don't want to have unpredictable employees, but especially you don't want to have unpredictable leaders. Um, and when the emotions are not being expressed, because you receive the information from the from the signal or steering information, don't be emotional because this is not good, right? So the only other thing that you can do with the emotions, if you are not expressing them, is that you you, you repress them. So actually, you use the tension, right? So it was a huge discovery for me that emotions are very very. So they always come for the reason, uh, and uh, this reason can be really related to the current situation, the situation we are in. So, for example, if this is happening in the workplace, it can be workplace, but there are also other sources, right? So they always come for the reason, and as a leader, when you see that someone has the emotion, for example, anger or fear, which for you it seems irrational because they say, hey, nothing is going on, you know, why are you reacting? Uh, much stronger than the situation would require, right? Yeah. If you are a leader who also can be can step into the role of the of the coach, you will actually find out what is happening for someone, and that this emotion is really logically in the perfect place. It came for a reason. Right? So people, if they cannot express the emotions, they learn how to repress emotions. The problem is that in the long term, it's it's almost a straight line to the burnout because you cannot hold this energy. Emotions are energy, and actually they are very expensive for 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 our body. So or they will deplete you from the energy, and you will start getting sick or depressed, or you will have the like a mental breakdown or the burnout, you know, something that will stop you and stop your progress anyway. Emotions are not going anywhere. They are staying in the, in the workplace. And we are all emotional, even if we don't know about it. Because there was a study by the neuroscientist uh, Antonio Damasio, who's, uh, who found people who truly, they don't have emotions because their there brain is. malfunctions. Those people, they never, they are, they cannot live on their own, right? They cannot make any decisions. Yeah. So it means that if you are a fully functional human being, it you means have to have emotions. You have emotions, and maybe the, your activation level of the emotion is, uh, it, it's well regulated. So you don't even know that you have emotions, but you have all the angers, fears, and uh, apathies, everything, the full set. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's great and it's beneficial for every, every, each of us that we understand, we can recognize them and we can understand why they came. Because I, I love the definition of uh, Damasio's, what emotions are, and he's calling them uh, action requiring neurological programs. Right? If yeah. the emotion comes, it means that your brain detected that there is action needed and prepared your body for this action. And your task is to do the right action. And when you do it, the emotion goes down and dissipates, right? Because it did its job. But the problem is that if the emotion is coming and you are repressing it, it means you are not doing the action. The situation is staying the same. So the emotion will keep coming back. And usually the okay. intensity will be going up because your subconscious says, no, truly, you, you really need to do it, right? So here I'm giving you, I'm preparing you more so you do the right thing. But if you don't understand why the emotion came, uh, it's unlikely that you will choose very quickly the right thing to do. So it's similar to if you have um, physical, you know, which is more tangible for us, like similar to if you have a pain or like, say, headache, and this mm -hmm. is like stays longer than three days. That's actually tells you that you need to go and see a doctor. Like you have to do something about it. Yes, you have to do something about it. Okay, interesting. Which is actually kind of flows in when 
we talk about emotions and, and, and one in particular here, it's about fear. Um, so I have done a session being coached by Sebastian is like how to reset fears to, you know, create the life that you, you choose to, uh, to have. And, and that's a three steps process without doing in details, but it's like trying to find actually what's causing that fear. It's similar to what you're saying, right? It's just trying to digging in and what's trigger that and try to, to answer that. So like what's actually, the, what's the reason behind it? Is it the same thing, the same approach you're taking in when you talk about being logically emotional or you have a different approach to it? Uh, yes, so uh, Carla McLaren and uh, her program Dynamic uh, em Emotional Integration on which I based, I received the license and I based my logically emotional program uh, on that. Uh, she has the approach that every emotion uh, it brings a certain gifts, and this, this is the very first step to start befriending the emotion, right? So there is plenty okay. of emotion, emotions which are totally bastardized, right, and have the wrong connotations. If you are fearful, it also means that you are coward, right, and you, you don't have it to take the responsibility, for example, or be the manager because you are too afraid too often, right? If you are angry, that you are not you are hot-tempered, you are not controlling yourself. If you are envious, uh, it means that maybe you are uh, you are small person, you know, who focuses on what you don't have instead of what what you, what have, you have. Yeah, right. There is plenty of emotions which uh, we immediately judge people that there is something wrong with them, or they are weak, or they are not suitable. So the very first thing that we learn that I teach that is every emotion brings a gift which are actually good for you they're really really good so this is something that you can be grateful that the emotion came then the other is the internal questions so every emotion brings a question and those questions they help you realize uh, of what you need to do what's this action that you need to do so Remember before the interview, you asked me, uh, how am I? And I said that, yeah, I, I am, I feel fear in my system, right? Uh, and the questions to the fear, to give you the sample, are what action needs to be taken? So when I asked this question before the interview, I, uh, I make a very, very quick checklist, right? Shirt is on, the lights are on, I have my laptop, I'm on time. So there is no imminent, imminent threat. Yeah. So it, it must be something else. So there is a second question or fear is what is perceived as a threat? And for that, I actually already had the answer, right? So I said, yeah, it is a, it might be missed opportunity. Uh, I might, I might have problems with, uh, uh, putting my thoughts into words in a fluent way right? mm -hmm. because it's happened in the past. So I have this memory. Uh, you might ask the question which will really confuse me or it will put me, you know, in a difficult situation on the spot, so which, the fear, which is, which didn't happen, right? <laughs> it didn't happen yet, right? But it still might. <laughs> so the, what, the, what the fear uh, brings, it brings the, it brings, uh, brings the focus. It brings clarity, it brings vigor, and it brings readiness. And actually, those are good things, right? Because if I want to deliver value and I want to contribute in a good way to what you are doing, what I am doing, I have to be focused and I have to be ready and I have to be quite energized to generate that value. So the key is in the right... Uh, scientists call it arousal level, right? Mm -hmm. So it's in the, the right moment. So there is this readiness and this vigor, but on the right level to what we are, what we need to do, right? If it comes as too much, and I don't understand why, uh, then uh, probably it will not work out, right? Because uh, I can stop in the middle of the sentence because I, the fear might slip into the panic. And in the past, I wouldn't be able to give an interview because of the things that happened in my childhood. And, you know, there were certain 
traumatic, not a big trauma. So stay, stay calm, uh, small things, <laughs> but still uh, there were things which uh, in the situations like this, they were generating response of my body much, you know, stronger than needed. And uh, I was coping for many, many years with the fear of rejection. And you can imagine if you are being interviewed and you know that other people will be seeing this, uh, this is like a huge opportunity to be rejected and judged, right? And if you don't get along with this, you don't heal this part because the trauma is something that needs to be healed in the past. You cannot do interviews. You will be avoiding them or <laughs> they will not work out. So True. every emotion, it brings a gift and the same with, with the fear. Uh, the idea is to neither express it too much. So to really bask in fear and, uh, you know, label yourself as that uh, you are such and such because you are too, too activated, too afraid, nor to repress it, but to really take this energy for the action that is in front of you. I was listening a podcast this week and there was the, there was a situation that uh, the, the daughter of the scientist, she was having the exam for the black belt mm -hmm. and the teacher before the exam, she was small girl and there was plenty of big boys, right? So she was really, really, really afraid. Uh, and this teacher come approached her uh, and he asked if she, has the butterflies in the stomach, right? And she said, yes, she has the butterflies, huge butterflies in the stomach. And he told them, form them in the, in the, you know, put your butterflies in the flying formation. You can also say in the fight formation. Mm -hmm. So use this energy, use what your brain prepared the body for, uh, and use it for the action that you need to take, right? So align it. So take this energy, use it for the purpose. But very often to do it, you have to be aware of what you are doing, what's your intention, right? And what this energy came from, came for. And then I would say this is the art of emotions. You can work with the emotions towards the goal. So you can work with the fear towards something and the external world, world can perceive you as being brave, right? Because this is how, how this will look like. Exactly. You will not see that you are using your power by this, by this, by this energy, which feels like fear. So the conclusion is fear is uh, your friend, right? It is not, and all of you mentioned is your friend is not your foe. Um, so you should not be afraid of expressing them, showing them, and, 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 and just live through that experience because it's the only way you would be a human, basically. Yeah. So what we teach is that, you know, there is express, expression on one end, there is repression on the other. And uh, what we teach, what I teach, is to be somewhere in the middle. We call it to process the emotion or to channel the emotion. So actually you, you let this energy flow through you and like in Aikido, you are giving the direction to this energy. So it works towards your goal, not against it. Mm. 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 All right. So is it okay to be vulnerable, Derek? Okay. I love the question. And I know it's rude to answer with another question, but yeah. I have to do it anyway. So the, the answer is when, uh, when to be vulnerable and who should be vulnerable. So it took me many, many years and a lot of things which I had to heal and process to allow myself to be vulnerable. I have a really, really good experience with being vulnerable, but not always, right? So mm. there are situations and here I always recommend people to use their intuition and instincts. And part of the emotional training is to untap the access to it. So uh, fear is intuition and, and, and action, right? Uh, to listen and to judge according to the situation, uh, because vulnerability is a 
great tool which will change the interactions that you have with the people if you allow yourself to be vulnerable and open up. Uh, and many things which I did, it was because I was vulnerable and I opened myself up. I revealed a lot, even more than people asked to. But I was first, I was ready for the consequences, right? So I said, yeah, there is a risk attached to being vulnerable. Can I accept the consequences? And the, if the answer is yes, uh, then I do it. But sometimes mm. the answer is no. And then I repress the emotion consciously. So I had this situation last week and even today, you know, on my LinkedIn, I publish the weekly emotional report. So this is a small uh, snapshots of emotions at work workplace and how I did made sense out of them, the logically emotional part. Yeah. Uh, and it's exactly what I was publishing today. The situation when I allowed not to be, uh, I chose not to be vulnerable, but to protect something that is more critical for me. Okay. So there's yeah, so I put, put a mask, mask of apathy, stiff face. Uh, so sometimes it is, and I recommend being vulnerable, especially with the close ones and with the family. But again, not if you have the toxic environment, toxic parents, right? Then it's not good. You have to really truly defend yourself. That's why the intuition and instinct is something that will help you. Uh, but on the other hand, it can be beautiful, beautiful circumstance in which the magic happens. Things that cannot happen otherwise will happen if you if people become vulnerable. That's so it's world. so it's kind of <laughs> so, so 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 it's kind of balance. It's just kind yeah. of trying to you know reflect on that. And huh. there's some instance that I showed vulnerability. I agree with you, which has turned very very bad experience. Just people bites even more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And where I thought, and which created another emotion, disappointment, mm -hmm. vis-a-vis uh, -vis the others, and say, okay, like, why they do that? Like, why I came in and being honest, I told what exactly happened, and I admitted to, uh, that that was a mistake uh, or whatever, and and they just continue the chain of blames, and all all of the sudden, yeah. all of the problem, it just was just me, right? Yes. And yeah. there's other instance where I took an offensive position and that hurts the others. And you say, well, no, but if you just say that, it would have not been that hard. And this is kind of, it become harder and complex right now. I'm kind of taking it to a, a, a more dimensions. Like if everyone's kind of putting that mask so hard, right? How could you? help. Yeah, and th this is exactly, it's like if I put it like in, uh, you, you mentioned that you do coding, right? If I put it in code, probably I will have the blue old screen of Windows with the errors, like tin, right? It was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a bug. It's like, all right, so trust your intuition here. So this is, and this is the code. Probing, because uh, I was also checking what I could advise. It's probing, right? So okay. don't treat vulnerability bin in binary terms. So you know, immediately open up, but to make, maybe try the small steps, right? Okay. So you see how it's being used. So you become a little bit vulnerable. You say something that could, it's honest, but it could be used against you and you see what happens. Right? Exactly. If okay. someone immediately is hungry for it, they, they need to use it because they need to uh, diminish you or they have to put themselves up and they use this, they are so hungry for it that they will use every even small, tiny opportunity. Mm. You see that this is happening, then you say, okay, I step back, right? But uh, I had, so this is anecdote from, from the past. Uh, I very often was betting on vulnerability and uh, there, well, I was working for a corporation and we had those yearly assessments, right? Mm -hmm. And I delivered a few times uh, something like a self-criticism of what I'm not happy about uh, with myself, where I would like to develop. 
And then it was used against me as a reason why I will not get the promotion promoted and I will receive a lower bonus. And I remember this conversation with my boss and I say, are you kidding? You're using the arguments which I delivered as the reasons why not to, you know, reward me. But you know what you are doing, right? It, it, this is the last moment I was ever honest about my weak sides with you because I'm not stupid. Why would I set yeah. another yeah, ammunition again? Why, why I handed the gun, right? Exactly. So what you're so you are what you are just doing is you are cutting yourself off from the orientation of what is happening with me and how you can use me and how you can develop me and align with the business goals, right? So yeah, good luck. Good luck without that. Yeah, and this is different. Can be different story, and I'd be happy to chat with that. This story about the EDVU, and I have, I have similar stories. I have, I do, and to me, just to you know, not to dwell too much. It's I think it's the process is broken itself. Why is that? Because you review people on a. On one hour after, say, six months, it's like, how was that worth? To me, a review is a constant. It is a constant evaluation. It's not the date in the calendar. It's it's constant, constant development. Yes. And I think we do it. Is we look to people like machines and cars. I, after 100,000 kilometers, I have to go check it for maintenance. All right? A human, they're not the same. You cannot, you cannot leave if... if you cannot leave somebody six months doing something wrong and then expect to evaluate in six months and then you think the, uh, the, the best treatment is that demote de, de, de to promote, right? So it's yeah. kind of a complete, yeah. So there's many researchers prove, exactly. proves, proves that the annual, semi-annual review, it's a broken process. Anyway, mm -hmm. but, but that is, and uh, I have, my experiences are absolutely the same. And this is one of the reasons why uh, I opened up my business, and in the worst case, I work as a, as a contractor. Uh, in the best case, I provide the services, right? So I prefer yeah. contracts where we agree on the service, on the output, acceptance criteria, and that's the, the cleanest and the healthiest for me. So not being I part see. of the, this. I see it as a game, which is unfortunately a bit toxic. And yeah, I choose not to do it. So in a way, I resigned a long time ago, right? I didn't have to wait for COVID. <laughs> you were not part of the great resignation. Pity for you, you know. You, you haven't got that fancy name. <laughs> All right. So if um, remote teams, again, working environment, um, even clients, um, you talked about contractors. We, I did an episode a long time ago. It's like how you can build a team, especially when you have a project like where everyone is a contractor, basically, which is make it more complex, right? Um, but if if anyone comes to you, I say I'm working with people. They totally disengaged. They are they are not there. I don't know what the heck is going with them because I don't even see them. <laughs> like in the past, you could see, as you said, like you sit down in meeting rooms, you look to the eyes, but the language, and then you can target these guys, right? Like one-to-one one -to -one, uh, method. But like, what kind of concrete steps that anyone could take and implement if they have that situation? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, disengagement and uh, uh, apathy, uh, we said passiveness and disengagement, right? Disengagement yeah. very often, uh, the apathy is an emotion. Right? And I teach about what to do with this emotion, why it comes, what, it, what are the gifts or, of, of apathy. Uh, yeah, maybe I can just uh, throw it as a brief uh, explanation. Uh, apathy uh, is a mask for anger. So mm -hmm. it's funny but if you have people who are in apathy or who are totally bored and disengaged very often they are actually furious mm. they're furious and they are totally angry but for some reasons they cannot it's not safe for them to show it to express it or mm. even mention it anyhow right so this is in their mind uh, 
I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't uh, express the anger or I shouldn't fight for what is really valuable for me. I, I know I cannot protect those things. I cannot restore what is valuable, what I would like. I cannot fight for my preferences. So apathy is a great emotion which gives you the, the relief from not able to express the anger and really do the right action. So fight for something valuable. And then apathy gives you detachment. Mm -hmm. It gives you the ways out. This is like a vacation from, from, from anger. So very often, if you know that, uh, and you see people who are totally disengaged and apathetic, uh, the question is, what is being avoided, right? And if you even suggest, and I was in a situation like that, that I was asked uh, as a scrum master to meet the team who was perceived as totally disengaged mm -hmm. and to, to conduct their guest retrospective, right? Yep. And I entered the room and I immediately saw, you know, people like, Close hands, yeah, arms. Yeah. Okay. What? You know, we don't. We don't even want to be there, right? And I immediately started the conversation about the anger. So what? Okay, guys, what you were really angry about? And no, no, we are not angry. We don't simply don't want to waste the time. But I insisted of suggesting that there is something valuable, and they don't believe anymore that they they, they can protect it. They, they don't have power to fight for it. And then they suddenly opened up and suddenly there was so much energy in the room. They were saying about all the impediments that they found, all the ideas that they, that they had and they proposed to the management year ago that uh, if only we could do this, we'll be so much better and more effective. And everything was uh, said, you cannot do it. You just, you are here to follow the, our policies and procedures. And the apathy was actually very good and wise response that they could provide. They didn't want to leave. So being detached and apathetic, uh, it was really the rescue. That was the, 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 the wise solution, right? Yeah. It was so it was very logical to be, to have that emotion. Yeah. You know? And sense. this, we opened that up. So there was plenty of, of, of discussion, plenty of good advice. Uh, and uh, this is what we could take to the managers and say, yeah, this is the situation. You know, those people actually are very engaged. They would, they have the potential to be fully engaged, but you have to start negotiating with them what can change uh, for what they value and the, what they care for and what is absolutely not possible, right? And then let's try to, Let's try to have some agreements about this or maybe compensate it in somehow. Yeah. Uh, passiveness, it can be a little bit different because passiveness uh, can be because of the fear, so lack of psychological safety, or it can be also a passive aggression. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I used to be very, very good at passive aggression uh, for the very simple reason. Um, my father was very generous in expressing anger to the degree that it was terrifying for me. And, you know, I, I didn't like it. I was scared. And I decided this is very often what kids do. They decide not to be like their parents, right? So I decided that I will be not an angry person. But what happened is that, of course, all the anger that was coming, I was fully repressing it. And this is also all, all, almost pathological because if you are not uh, processing anger in the right way, you are repressing it, you are saying, no, I don't have anger, I'm not angry, uh, I don't have anger, then you are also dropping your boundaries and mm. you are dropping your values and you are not supportive to yourself. And this always in the long term ends up in a, some kind of a drama. And yeah, I learned it the hard way. Uh, and I offer people the shortcut not to be there, right? Yeah. And, so, and passive aggression is the way. If you cannot fight for something openly, then you become passive aggression, aggressive. So you you become cynical. Cynism and sarcasm are the ways of passive aggression very often, uh, and they are safe because you can always say, "Oh no, come on, you know, have some humor. This is just a joke, right?" But actually, you are really telling people no, or you are 
intimidating people this way uh, and you are refusing to collaborate, you are saying yes, but not doing that. And this is the, the very definition of passive aggression, right? You pretend that you go along, but you don't. So, so what you're saying here is just express your express your your emotions right you just put them there because there's the only way even others would know what's wrong right yes but uh, as i said the the it's way i teach is not to express them but to process them and to reveal them. them to the world in the elegant and responsible way so for example sometimes uh, i do things like i'm saying I'm furious right now, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm not showing it. I'm not raising my voice. I'm not making an angry face. I'm saying I feel inside, I channel this anger and I feel that really the, the level of arousal for this emotion is really, really high. So it means for me that there's really something valuable, which I have to protect. I have to protect something. That's why I'm furious, uh, but I can feel it but I don't have to throw it at other people because okay. you mentioned this, that there is something like uh, emotion contagion, mm -hmm. right? So emotions are contagious. So they yeah. immediately uh, force the reaction in other people. And if I throw my anger at you, you have actually two choices. Uh, okay. Let's say you have three. One, you can immediately start feeling fear. Right? Because if there's someone angry, you perceive it as a threat uh, and you just become very dis defensive and mm -hmm. fearful is the response. Or someone's anger is eliciting your anger. So there is anger against the anger. And only if you are super competent, you can downregulate first yourself. And when you downregulate yourself and make a supportive space for other people, they will also downregulate uh, unless you are identified as a trigger of the, of this anger. Right. So it's, okay. it's, yeah, it's, if we have the flow diagram or, you know, we think it as a system, there is of course a lot of branches <laughs> there. It's not as so easy. It's not as easy. The detail. Devil is in the detail. Yeah. It's oh, not as, yeah. It's not as easy as, as a, a, a linear, um, uh, how you call it, um, relation. Um, all right, cool. So, um, my last uh, questions, actually you're doing a DEI courses mm -hmm. and you let me know what is that. And then, yes. and then, and then tell everyone is would watch the show is like what they can expect from, from in, um, enrolling that in that course. Yes. Uh, so DEI, this is the program uh, developed by Carla McLaren. She's the author of four books on emotions. Uh, very, very interesting person with, uh, I never met any other person with so deep material on emotions. And this is based on her life and what happened to her. Uh, I don't want to go there. So DEI, it stands for dynamic uh, emotional integration. Dynamic because uh, emotions are very dynamic. Yeah. They are coming and going all the time and they are also changing. So after one emotion, uh, depending if you do the right action or you don't, there will be another emotion. So sometimes, you know, you have uh, anger uh, and then you there is a moment of realization that you cannot defend something valuable for you. So the sadness kicks in so you can let it go right, and accept it. Uh, you can sometimes find yourself in such an absurd situation that you are so furious that you start to be happy. Mm -hmm. right? Because it's absurd. It's funny. It starts to be funny. You're starting to laugh and you really feel a little happiness <laughs> yeah because yeah. you said no actually this is funny you know it's, i have totally no idea what to do this is ridiculous guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> you start laughing and you have a good time so uh, i would say there are, it's quite serious program okay uh, so one thing is we go through all 17 emotions and give the understanding of what those emotions are 
Uh, I teach how to uh, downregulate the emotion, how to uh, how to uh, make sense of why they why they arrived, why they came. Uh, I teach the habit of noticing emotions in yourself and the other people and make a good guesses. Then we go through the anxiety. So if you think about the workplace, anxiety is a workhorse emotion. Mm. Anxiety is a, it's about focus and completion. Uh, and you have if you have deadlines uh, at work uh, and tasks, then without anxiety, you wouldn't be finishing them and you wouldn't be on time. So we are all, you know, anxiety workers in the workplaces, almost all, all of us. So uh, there is a huge chunk of anxiety and interfer interferences of anxiety with the other emotions because there are some inter interesting patterns like anxiety and panic or anxiety and happiness and things like this. And then we talk about uh, one huge source of the emotion, which is uh, the past and traumas from the past and psychological shadow. Right. Mm. And th this is really important because if you are a manager and you have someone who explodes uh, and again, the response is really massively exaggerated to the situation, then very often this is not about the situation. And it doesn't mean that someone is not stable or crazy, but it means that this situation resembles something from the past, which was very, very hard and mm. very hurting for this person. So this is actually the opportunity or to redirect the person to, the, to, to someone who can support them and start the healing process. Uh, if you have dislikes, so for example, hatred, uh, hatred, sorry, mm -hmm. to check in the dictionary how is the right pronunciation. That's good. Uh, it's almost always indicates about the shadow and the conditioning from the past. So we talk a, a lot about this because I want leaders and managers to be equipped in the perspectives that they can take to understand what's going on and do the right thing. Right. So don't right. perceive people don't put a cross on them and say, no, this person is crazy. This person is malicious. This person is and to, to judge them and tag them, basically tag them, box them and, uh, you know, designate for yeah. get rid of those people. Right. Because I, I don't, I don't know how to work with them. Right. Uh, so this is the big part, and there is also a big part of perspective taking. So the big part of understanding the world uh, from the from the other people, and this is where the logically emotional part kicks in. Okay. Because very often, if we really can take the perspective of other person and their context and their upbringing and everything it's a big chance that in their situation, we would behave exactly the same. And this is the, the aha moment where we connect with the other people. And then if we can, we support them and we can untap, we can tap to their talent. You can develop them. And uh, of course, if you want to have the strong business, you have to have very, very strong teams and very strong people. Yeah. Right? And if, at the end, it boils down to the individuals because the teams are build out of the people. And if you are a leader, you can create circumstances where this potential is being opened and harnessed. And very often the, uh, when I'm working with the teams uh, at the beginning, this is always a bunch, not always, but often it is a bunch of, it's a group of random people who work in a certain, so follow the certain rules, uh, but the efficiency effectiveness of the, this collaboration is quite low. And then uh, I try to create circumstances and I'm using all the, my emotional knowledge uh, and all the, everything I've got systems thinking to create circumstances that people start becoming very, very strong, self-confident, mm. but they are not bullying the others because this is very often when you, you know, the, the pendulum swings. So if so you have someone who is, who is weak and victim and then you open the other this one, person yeah. up and suddenly they are a bully, right? So we have to constantly balance. Ba balance balance people so they are in this sweet spot. They're confident, but they are not the jerks. Right? And then cool. you can 
extract the maximum power out of the team and engagement. And of course, this is only limited by the context in which this is happening, right? So I'm not saying that every team can be the wonderful, powerful, healthy team, because the teamwork happens in the context, and if the context is toxic or not engaging or simply limiting, there are some kind of constraints that we cannot move. Uh, mm. And of course, this will be also, this will create a ceiling for how much you can do. So it's kind of, that's why it's the name is dynamic, right? It's like when you work with the second part of being logically emotional, it's not like one person, it's just the environment as, as total, it's like how that works. Because all of these people, they have to find, I think there's a fancy, like chemistry, like how that fits all together, so all of the emotions just bundle and then just be funneled and channeled to toward the the objectives of having those guys working together, right? Yeah, and uh, emotional competence is a big chunk of it. So yeah. very often, and there's plenty of publications now in the business uh, newspapers, the, how important the empathy is and is being recognized as one of the top skills for leaders and managers, the empathy. And saying that empathy is primarily the emotional skill. So it's very hard to be empathetic in a healthy and balanced way if you don't understand emotions. And understanding emotions, it means that you need to uh, recognize them accurately. You have to downregulate yourself as a response to the emotions of other people or your mm. emotions. Uh, you need to take the perspective of the other people. You need to check if you care for other people and only then you can take the right action. Right. So All there right. is quite a lot. And uh, Carla McLaren, she has this model for empathy, which is six steps. So she dissected it into the six areas and empathy works only if those six areas are healthy. Okay, gotcha. All right, so we put, um, because you mentioned earlier, which is funny, you said, like, uh, you had the fear that the questions will come up, but then you didn't know what the, what is it, right? So I have I have a bonus question, because we put, um, ask people if they have a questions, and I have actually one. Mm -hmm. um, is there is, so we have emotions, and there's um, plenty of them. Is there is worst, and uh, worse in terms of, like, to deal with, or to work on and easiest to deal with and work on? Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that this is very, very, very personal. Okay. So I don't think it's universal. So it really depends uh, of your nervous system. So there is a little bit of biological uh, thing that determines this. There is a lot about your upbringing. So what role models you had. So for example, when we work with the anger, very often, the first question is uh, how your parents were dealing with anger, mm. right? or have you ever witnessed anger handled in an elegant way, or mm. it was always explosion and, and, and violence, right? Mm. So it really depends what happened to you in the past. So for me, I think the depression, so depression is in the... Uh, in the family of sadness. So we have those four families yep. of fears, angers, sadnesses, and happinesses. But I think situational depression is something that is hard and to deal with. Although I have the tools, I know what to do. I teach others what to do. Where it catches me, uh, it's really hard. It is hard. So for me, the depression is, is the hard, the, the hard emotion. Uh, but I know that for some, for example, something from the fear, for, for, from the anger family will be the hardest. Okay. Right? So I know the angry people who are so wired for anger, they're almost addicted for anger. Right, right. So handling anger is the most difficult. Okay. Right? Some, for some people, it can be something from the fear. And I know quite a lot of people who are totally blocked where it comes to happinesses and really feeling satisfaction. Okay. Yeah, so I wouldn't say that there is one yeah, particular could... heart. And there are emotions which we call that there are daily emotions. So for everyday emotions, right? Every day we have to a certain degree almost all of them. 
Yeah. And there are emotions for the special occasions, and usually those for special occasions are the hardest. I understand. All right. Thanks a lot, Derek. And that has been a pleasure talking to you. And I will add all of your details, contact to the um, to the descriptions of the video and our posts and on LinkedIn and on other social media forums. And appreciate what um, you putting together. And I like a lot, as I said in, in the beginning, the, the short video. So I invite everyone to check your page. They are really short. They're crisp, and they go to the point. And they are overall practical because you're talking about you know, mm-hmm. real life experience because you, I like the way you're doing it. You just walk in somewhere around Krakow because we both live in Krakow and you just tell the stories about, you know, either you personally, which is most of it. And then, or some situation that you lived through. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people will have common things with those stories. So I invite everyone to mm-hmm. check them out. Thanks a lot, Derek. Pleasure talking to yes. you. Thanks. Thank you for the invitation and for the opportunity to get people interested in the emotions. Absolutely. Yes, please uh, contact me directly. And also, uh, I would say that the businessman in me is uh, only starting. I was specialist for most of my life. So if you see something, uh, you have the advice, uh, yeah, just, you can point it out. Don't be afraid. Yeah, I will make good use of it. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Derek. Thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you.